Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ladies Talk Podcast. We are excited that you're here with us this weekend. We're so happy it's another day, another episode. Uh, We're so glad to be here. And I absolutely have to take my hat off to my mom and Lisa. They held it down last week while I was out of town uh, doing a phenomenal episode on the boldness of the Holy Spirit. So you guys did great. We were so proud. We listened to them on the van on the way back and just so encouraging. So if you haven't listened to it, go back to that last episode and listen. Um, and hopefully some of y'all got creative and got some of your little scripture jars or, or whatever ideas you got from their podcast. Um, and, you know, put it out at your job, yeah. put it out at your desk, you know, put it out wherever you're at. So that way you can be an encouragement to anyone who's around you, because that's what it's all about, being a light to the world, right? I hear with us this week, she had a previous engagement that she couldn't get away from. But just know, she said she will share with you how this week went of her boldness. That's right. So there's testimony of some sort coming next week she'll share with you when she's back with us that's right we're excited to hear what she has to share absolutely i mean we just continue to hear testimonies about god's goodness and so we're excited to continue to share what god is doing um i would tell you guys we went to uh new orleans last weekend and and i don't really want to talk too much about it but uh, it was mardi gras and it was intense guys it was crazy um you know, they're very known for the voodoo and the witchcraft there. And that was very apparent. Um, But that is not what caused me to be in shock. What caused me to be in shock was the radical Christians. Um, Now, let me be straight. There were some genuine Christians who were trying to share the love of Jesus. And that is how I feel like it should be done. But there were some radical Christians that were out of line. And that just made me feel absolutely appalled to even be why they would call themselves Christians. Because the hate that was spewing out of their mouth was so bad, it did not make any sense. And I couldn't understand how, where in the Bible did you find that you can hate people that much? No, it doesn't. The Bible says love God, love people. It says you must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. And that's in Matthew 22. That's right. That's the words of Jesus. Yes. And I just want to say that's a good example of they live down there where all that oppression is. So maybe some of that has soaked into them because if you stay around this stuff, it catches on you. It does. And it's what goes in comes out. It does. That, that that might have a lot to do with that. That critical spirit. And I mean, I'm just telling all of you, uh, all of us who call ourselves um, believers, just as a, a reminder, um, if you have a critical spirit or a judgmental spirit towards people, you need to take a step back because yeah. Yeah. Um, how many times did Jesus forgive you when you were in your sin and whenever you were in your arrogance or your pride or when you were running from him? And um, if he extended that to us, then we should turn around and extend the same thing yes. to people. Um, it's not our job to judge. Now, it is our job to hold people who say they are serving Christ accountable. And that is different. But let me tell you, this is just a little tangent I'm going off on before we get into the episode. But I find people have it so confused sometimes because they're judging the world. 
but you're judging people who do not profess to know Christ. There is no judgment. They have not professed to know Christ. Therefore, we cannot hold them accountable because they're not committed to anything. That, in that specific realm, is the place that Jesus will judge one day, the place that God will judge one day. And that is nothing for us to judge. Now, it is important for us to hold each other accountable in our walk with Christ. If I have brothers and sisters in Christ who are next to me, who I see falling into sin, who I see going back into old habits, who I see doing things that may cause them to stumble or may cause someone else to stumble, then I'm able to say, hey, this does not line up with your walk. What's going on? And I'm able to kind of reel you back in and have that conversation. But the judgment from the Christian to the world is ridiculous and it's irrelevant because let me tell you something. When I was in the world, I I knew about the sins I was doing. Um, And even if I didn't, I still felt the shame and guilt from them. And any Christian coming up to me and telling me what I was doing wrong was not bringing me to Christ. The Bible says it's his kindness that leads us to his to repentance. It's the kindness of the Lord. When you understand and you have a revelation of your brokenness and of how much we are in sin, how much we are lost, how much we are absolutely desperate and and void of hope without him and we come to this revelation where a holy spirit meets us and we encounter god and we're like wow he loves us yes he loves us and not only does he love us but he loved us so much that he wasn't going to leave us in that hopeless place he wasn't going to leave us in that place of desolation he wasn't going to leave us in that brokenness he loved us enough to send his son so that way we could be restored so that way we could be filled with hope so that way one day when we leave this earth we could be um, re- reunited with God in the mm-hmm. kingdom of heaven. But yeah. not only that, it says that we can have heaven here on earth. That's the prayer, um, the Lord's prayer. He says, um, 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 what is it? Here on earth as it is in heaven. We have the ability as believers to have those atmospheres here on earth as we serve God. And it's such a beautiful thing. But I encourage you and I and I remind you um Man, if you're extending judgment to the world, it's misplaced mm-hmm. because it, it, that's not our job. That's not our job as believers at all. You know. Yes, you said uh, you said one thing um, before. Um, oh, now I thought I had thought and I forgot it. But um, about if you're living in the world, um, and you know the Lord. If you've experienced the Lord before, experience the Lord, and you, you didn't say this, I forgot what I said, what you said, mm-hmm. but if you've experienced the Lord and you're in the world, you do know you're doing wrong. Yeah. You know them sins because you know what God's love is and you feel every time you do it. Absolutely. There's got to be a thought, a conviction, a conscious, something that says, you know, you ain't supposed to do that. Now, whether you do it or not, that's between you and God. But I'm just saying, if you've experienced his love and have him in your heart, you know when you're not living right. That's exactly right. When when you've tasted the goodness of the Lord yes. and then you go to living back to a worldly way, um, it's completely, no matter how much you try to ignore God or run from God, there's always this pulling, there's always this nagging, there's yes. always this drawing, yep. this feeling that makes you feel like, man, there's so much more I could be doing. I'm supposed to be doing. I need to do this. I need to do that. There's this pulling back to Christ that you're always going to feel no matter how far you run. And um, I truly believe that whether people respond to the pool or not, um, I truly believe that uh, once you've experienced the goodness of the Lord, it's really hard to deny that and live a worldly life. 
that's period. You know, you know when you're doing wrong. Absolutely. I mean, I did and felt it and thought, Lord, you know I'm going to do that later as much as I don't want to. I know yeah. I'm going to do it later too. Yeah. You know, I don't ask forgiveness because in the process of that, because I know I'm going to do it. Right, right. So I right. just, and I ain't saying right or wrong, don't send me, you know, preaching. That's between me and God. Right, right. <laughs> and I do end up going back and ask forgiveness, but it's later. It's not after or right before I've done it. I don't ever do that. Yeah. But it's just, I have that thought. Yeah. And I know I'm I'm not supposed to do it because the Lord's already telling me. You know, that's so good. And and um, I, I really want to, even in that same note, uh, talk about what we're talking about today, because um, I've been thinking a lot about these revivals. Um, if you haven't heard, um, they had, I don't even know, it was at least a nine day revival. I don't know how it was at Asbury, um, it was Asbury College. And um, basically, they had a chapel service and that the power of the Lord was so strong and so thick that chapel service didn't end it continued to yeah. go and this lasted for at least nine days the last time I kept track of it it was at least nine days it lasted long enough until the administration finally had to come and say okay we got to shut this down we can't continue because people were driving all over the country to go to this place and experience it to go to this place and be a part of it and it was really cool because it was this group of young people um, I heard someone sharing their testimony about it on Facebook and they said you know they had a line for um, youth to get in, make sure that the youth were the 18 to 25 year olds were able to get into the chapel. So the lady on the video was saying, um, that they were, when they were opening it up for people to share and stuff, they were saying, you know, if you're 18 to 25 and it was because the movement was started by the young people. And so I thought that was really cool that they didn't want people to get in the way of what was originally happening there. Yeah. But what is so cool about it because it was an extreme move of God. And if you're paying attention, if you're you're in the right circles right now, or you have the right people on your um, TikToks or, or Facebook or, or across the internet, period, um, there are huge moves of God breaking out all over the place. Yeah, A lot in the United States, a lot in places where they're forbidden to worship. Um, yeah. I mean, the move of God is really extreme right now. And I have been very... Um, excited and very uh just anticipating what God is doing because I've I've thought for the good last year and a half that God wanted to do something new um in the sense of the um the Jesus movement in the 70s where there was a radical wave across the United States of people coming to know the Lord and um and I've always I felt for the past year I think last year I was saying it's a year of the glory of the Lord and um I've just felt that he wants to do a fresh wave yes. and I feel like it's coming to pass right now. Yes. And so what I was asking myself, because I've asked myself this before and, and I have some different answers here to it, but when people stop what they're doing to drive somewhere to experience the presence of God, mm. it makes me question, why can't we have that presence here? Where you're at. What is stopping us? Mm -hmm. You know, Holy Spirit is everywhere. And what is it that's stopping that move? Mm -hmm. And so I'm interested to hear what some of your thoughts are, Mom. Um, I don't know if you remember. I'll talk a little bit about my experience. Um, but what what are some of your thoughts on that? Well, one of my thoughts is that we have a small house and a dog. So it's not always quiet here. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I can go sit in my car sure. and get the peace of God. 
right. you know, and, and be in the presence of God. And I do it in my man in the morning before I pick anybody up right. because I have nothing but me and God there. Yeah. And, and no distractions really, you know, yeah. unless a car gets crazy, you know, but of course, um, and, uh, maybe a lot of times, um, if a place is cluttered or something mm -hmm. or something is on that person's mind that distracts them distraction. And, and yes, and that's why they leave the place they're in because you, you know, uh, just to get in the presence of God, you've got to clear your mind. Yeah. You can't have all them thoughts. Oh, I didn't put this out for dinner. Let me put this out for dinner real quick. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I shared uh, one day is uh, to get in the presence of God, you don't have to go get the music set just right and do all this. Because yes. you spent five minutes yes. preparing to get with God when you could have already been in his presence. Yes, yes. So, yes. And, and that's another one. And uh, I don't know. My main reason would be because it's a small house. Mm -hmm. Now, if nobody's here, I can put the dog up you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and do it, but there's still a lot of distractions because the older house, right. you can hear things outside, you can hear things. Right. So, but I, I have done so here. not having the space. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. What about in a corporate setting with church? What do you think is stopping our churches from filling this the, move of God? The people, they make it about them. They mm -hmm. make it more commercial, mm -hmm. you know, um, they take God out of it. Mm -hmm. Come and see what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Come and look at what the church is doing. Okay. Where, where, what is God doing in that church? Right. You know, right. they take oh, that's so good. God out. They take yes. his presence out. Yes. You've got to let God in. Yeah. You've got to let God in the church. What is that story about the man? We've told it on here. The man standing outside the door. The old, the, oh, yes. And he went in the church. He walked up the hill. He was and a he, stinky homeless guy. He, he really wanted to worship the Lord. And he went in the church and they basically kicked him out. So he was sitting out outside the steps. And then. All of a sudden, a man came and was like, "Why are you so sad?" And he was like, "They won't let me in." And and um and it, the man next to him was Jesus, and he was like, "Well, don't worry, they ain't let me in either." Exactly. And That's exactly. Exactly. That comes to mind when you say that. Um, yeah. But just uh, making the church all about the name of the church, if it, even if it's not about the people, it's about the name of the church. So they're gonna mm -hmm. they're gonna brag or talk up the name of the church. Yeah. And that's okay to let people know who your church is, mm -hmm. but before and first before anything you gotta let them know yeah. god is in this house yes yes that's so good um i think um i mean you hit it right on it's people because mm -hmm. um agendas you know um in today's culture it's like you have to have the sound right and the lights right and the words right and if you don't entertain enough then people won't be engaged in worship and it's so crazy because one of the mm -hmm. things I am on a mission to do right now is just simplify that worship setting mm -hmm. because I look when it's just you and Jesus it's so authentic and it's so pure and there's so much power in that moment but when you start adding all these other factors I mean who has time to even think about Jesus when I got to figure out if this is right if that is right if this is right and it's frustrating um here's what here's what i think they're doing i think they're they want it to look right because if anybody comes in they don't want them to leave saying oh that was the worst place to sound horrible why right. didn't they take time to do this but if you've got jesus in the presence there they're going to feel that presence That's how it. do you know he's not going to work in them in that time it. Other, he than, will. other than them coming in and saying oh the worship was great the music was good i love the band but where's god in that yeah yeah Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. So, I mean, I want to talk about this. I remember a long time ago, I went to Pathways and um, my brother asked me the question because um, 
he was like, what does um, Pathways have that Jesus doesn't have? You know, he didn't understand what we were going through. Pathways like right. emotional boot camp. It was like a emotional intelligence program. And it really helped me to grow a lot. And um, at, at the time, I couldn't understand that question. And I was like, what do you mean? What does it doesn't have anything that Jesus doesn't have? Of course, Jesus is the answer that, you know, is in. So it kind of frustrated me because I couldn't articulate why this program was helping me so much and I've been in the church all these years and it seemed like Jesus wasn't enough and Mm -hmm. it didn't make sense why isn't Jesus enough why isn't me believing in him enough for me and and why do I have to go to pathways to work this stuff out you know and um honestly what it was is that um pathways gave me tools to get out of my own way yeah pathways gave me tools to learn how to forgive myself and learn how to open up to receive the forgiveness of God. Yes. And when you really begin to work on yourself and, and do that deep, deep work, mm-hmm. it's never that Jesus's love isn't enough. Um, it's always that our own stuff gets in the way. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. No, share your story real quick about you not forgiving you. Right. I love that. Cause that is so yeah. true. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I've, I've shared bits and pieces here, but you know, I had went through the program and, um, I just have to say that I, it was the last thing on my mind that I thought would come up during the program, right. um, but but it did come up during the program, and it was about abortion. Um, I had an abortion when my oldest son was two years old, and uh, it was traumatizing. Yeah. Um, they did a surgical abortion. Um, I remember having this dream um, about I was in a field of like flowers and I was holding this beautiful baby girl so I really believe she was a girl um and I named her Lily but um I had this beautiful baby girl and I was holding her and we're in this big old field and all of a sudden these doctors just came running at me and they ripped her from my hands and I mean you know my heart was just broken I didn't understand what was happening and then I woke up on the surgery table and you know they had to hold me down and put me back to sleep and all of that and so it was very traumatizing yeah and so because of all of that, um, I went into this zone for a good two and a half, three years maybe of where internally I just hated myself. I felt like, how do I even deserve to live when, you know, I took this child's life and, and it just didn't sit right with me. And so when I went into this program, uh, they called on me and, and I stood up and for some reason, that's just what came out of my mouth. Just but, like, it didn't make any sense. Why of all things am I talking about this? And, um, this, uh, beautiful man, bless his soul, um, came and he said, you know, he said, you do have a son. He said, and he looks to you every day. Mm-hmm. And, um, he said, and he's there waiting to be loved. And it just broke my heart. And, and it just made me open my eyes to what I do have here on this earth. But, Fast forward to a couple months later, because this is all a process, right? So I'm, I'm working on forgiving myself and dealing with these things. Um, a couple months later, I was in their spiritual version of this. And um, in one of the circles, this lady looked at me and she said, how arrogant are you? And I said, what? Like, wh- why would you say that to me? Because to me, I'm, I'm thinking, man, I'm just about as humble as they come. I don't really know how arrogant I am. She said, how arrogant are you? She said, do you know, she said, the creator of the universe, the creator of all things has extended and and given forgiveness to you. She said, but you won't forgive yourself. She said, that is a mighty high pedestal you put yourself on. Wow. Wow. And when I heard that, 
I mean, it's like everything just came crumbling. Like, dang, does that make me prideful? If Jesus has given me freedom and given me forgiveness and I choose to hold my own self hostage, then I'm basically saying that what he did wasn't worthy, even though he's the savior of the world, even though he's the God of the universe, the creator, I'm saying what he did wasn't worthy. I'm saying what that's like a slap in the face that your salvation means nothing to me and I'm going to hold myself hostage even though you've given me the keys even though I have the option to walk right through the door of freedom and forgiveness but I choose not to that is arrogance that is pride to think that I could do that when the one person who could condemn me the one person who could shame me the one person who could judge me instead extended forgiveness and extended kindness and extended mercy and extended grace yes and to me, it blew my mind. The And that's what, like we talked at the beginning, that's one of those moments where you're broken, you're lost, you're void of hope, and Holy Spirit comes and meets you right where you're at and all of that. And he brings the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace. And you're just like, oh my gosh, God, you are so good. You're so good. You know, and, and that's what that's what he's been to me my whole life in, in these moments, in these um, segments of my life where there's been brokenness and, and, and heartbreak and all of these things where I found myself in hopeless situation, I can count time and time and time and time again where God has showed up and has continued to put me back together, has restored me, has given me hope, has brought me back to a place where my feet were on a solid setting. And I mean, that's my my life story. Mm-hmm. Nobody can ever tell me that God isn't real because he, I have encountered him time and time and time again yeah. in his loving kindness, his faithfulness, his goodness, his mercy. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, the Bible says that his goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. And I feel that in my soul. I feel mm-hmm. that because it has. I turn around and look at all these places where I should have had other things following me and oh look, nope, it's nothing but goodness mm-hmm. and mercy. You know, that's what it is following yeah. me everywhere that I go. Yes. You know, we really have to check our heart. Yeah. And uh have God pull up things yeah. that we don't realize because somebody helped you. Yeah. But if somebody wasn't helping these people, they really have to just look to God. Yeah. And find out what's going on. Right. You know, in the Psalms 51:10 it says create in me a pure heart O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Yeah. And then uh, in the <clears throat> Proverbs 4:23 it says above all else guard your heart for it is the <clears throat> uh for everything you do flows from it. Yeah. So if everything you do flows from your heart you don't want anything hidden in there. You don't want anything standing in the way of your relationship with you and God yeah. uh, or interfering. Um, I believe revival starts with us. Yes. It starts in our heart. Yes. It starts in our thoughts. So if you're preparing for revival, you need to be looking up spirit uh, scriptures of your heart and revival and, and where to begin, because I believe you have to start purifying the heart. You're absolutely right. That Oh, that's so good. Um, You know, second Chronicles 7, 14, he says, if my people who are called mm-hmm. by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, yes. then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Uh, One of the least practiced, things in Christianity I truly believe these days is repentance and he says turn from their wicked ways that's what repentance is it's turning the complete opposite direction 
um, of what you're doing. And um, I think because we know that he forgives us because we're like, okay, you know, yeah, well, he forgives me, you know, and we walk out this, we don't take the time to actually stop and say, man, God, I'm sorry. You know, think about if you're in a relationship and somebody keeps offending you and they never stop in that relationship to say, babe, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. And you never have that healing moment, Mm -hmm. but you continually keep pressing forward uh, with the offenses and nothing is ever dealt with. There's ever no repentance, no change, no apologies. Think about the wall that that puts up in your heart against your partner. Yes. But what if they say, I'm sorry, but they think that gives them freedom to go out and do the same thing over and over again. Both things, both things. Absolutely. Absolutely. There. And, and I, and you guys, I always bring these conversations about God back to the context of relationship because that's what it is. Yes. This is your relationship with him. And I think sometimes we think God, he's, you know, far off up in the sky, but truly, no, just as if you were, you were dealing with it with your spouse, it's so important that we stop and recognize, man, God, I'm sorry. God, I didn't even think about you all day today. God, I'm sorry. I didn't even pray today. God, I'm sorry. I was really prideful today. God, I'm sorry. I was really arrogant today. God, I'm sorry. I was really rude. I shouldn't have said that today. You know, God, I'm sorry, I was really judging those people and I didn't have no right to judge them today. You know, truly taking a minute to repent and get those things out of your heart. Um, And, you know, uh, that scripture you shared, um, I love it. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. And you're just asking God to purify what's in your heart, to purify Mm -hmm. uh, what is not like him, to remove the things that are not like him so that we could become more like him. What I love, I think that was David's prayer yes. a lot. He was a man after God's own heart. Yes. No matter how much he fell or went the wrong way. And he did a lot. He did a lot. He got right back up and went living for God again. Yes. Doesn't mean you're not going to fall. It just means that you learn when you do. And Absolutely. you put forward in God. But you must repent. Yeah. You you have to it repent. repent. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, that's, that's a key point, you know, I wanted to make just about revival is that that's where it starts. It starts in the place of repentance. You know, when we got back from Mardi Gras, um, I probably like the first night there, the fir- no, the first full day there, I did drink. Um, I just had one big daiquiri drink or something, but um, it was frustrating because, you know, uh, I realized when you're in the world, it's, it's such a greedy place. You know, you can never get drunk enough. You can never get high enough. You can never get the feeling enough. You know, it's always you want more and more and more. And right. And so, I, you know, I drank. There was a lot of people. I was hoping, oh, man, this is just going to help ease my anxiety that we were at a parade. It's a lot of people um, and all that stuff. And then at the end of the day, I was like, that didn't even fulfill me, you know. And so at the end of the day, I was like, I'm not drinking anymore on this trip. And then, um, you know, throughout the trip, I would say I was kind of, you know, in in the um, mode with the girls. You know, I was cussing and just kind of cutting up and, um, you know, listening to secular music and all that stuff. And on the way back, uh, we had this uh, big old ordeal, um, just a disagreement with some of the ladies, and um, it was heartbreaking. It was really heartbreaking what happened, and um, from when I, we got to the house in Tulsa, where we got dropped off to my car ride here, I wept. I wept, and I wept, and I just asked God to forgive me, because the whole ordeal uh, where there was a disagreement and everything, what it really helped me to see was, man, the devil's not playing no games. He's playing for keeps. Right. And he's going to use any 
open door that we give him and he will bust that thing wide open just to keep us from our purpose and from what God is calling us to be and what God is calling us to do. You know, wherever you are at, I don't care if you're at a desk job and you do the same thing every day. There is purpose where you're at. I don't care if you think that you just collecting tokens at a at a toll collector or, you know, whatever your job is. If you're just a daycare teacher, or you're just in the medical field, whatever it is, you have purpose. Even if you're a housewife, yeah. like you have purpose yeah, so wherever you, know. you are at. And it's so important that in this purpose that we're acknowledging Jesus and allowing him to work and operate in and through us because there's so much light to be spread. But if we're not careful, like you said, if we don't guard our hearts, the things of this world can can infiltrate us so easily. Mm -hmm. And that's what I saw on that trip. And I came back and I wept and I just asked God to forgive me because I don't want to give the devil a foothold. Yeah, I don't amen. want him to have any access to anything in my life. Right. I don't want him to be able or anyone to be able to say, oh, she's not a believer because she doesn't do this. You know, right. I'm always real about my flaws. I'm always real about, you know, I don't really care what people think about me. Um, So I'm very transparent about what I go through. But, um, but at the end of the day, my heart is to please God. And I realized when I was driving back, God, that what I did did not please you. Mm. I could have had a completely different outlook on the trip. I could have been a, a better light. Um, had I not did the things I did, I could have been a better example. I could have been a better everything if I would have just focused on him and not focused on trying to get that atmosphere of a girl's trip, you know? Right. Um, and that was, yeah. that was my heart yeah. coming home. Man, that's, that's a lot in the that's sad because the not everybody gets it. Yeah. But here's something the Lord says uh, to Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, 7. Uh, Do not consider his appearance or his height. He's talking about the world. He's telling yeah. Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's right. So, you know, like you said, you were uh, going to going out there gonna do girl things with uh, the girls and stuff and that's yeah. the outward thing that yeah. the world does yeah that's what the world does none yeah. of that none of that is it's all evil yeah and um well i can't say it's all evil it's just not all of god right okay? yeah. After, yeah. i didn't mean that but um and so if you're just going along with the flow you're not going to see things like god sees them. right right and he sees them in the heart Exactly. And the world's so quick to judge the appearance and the outer and the like the height and the shortness and the mm-hmm. all that. That's what the world judges. That's right. How you look. They're superficial. That's absolutely right. Um, you know, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, this just mm-hmm. just leads me to this story. Yeah. Um, it's about this guy named Gideon. Okay. You guys, I have to share this story because it encourages me and I hope that it can encourage you. It but encourages. y'all, the Bible has some of the best stories, let me tell you. But um anyways it's a it's in judges six is where the story starts and so basically it's saying like the israelites did evil in the eyes of the lord and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the midianites okay because of the power of midian was so oppressive the israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts caves and strongholds so they were hiding and they were so oppressed by this group of people 
Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites and Amalekites and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza, and they did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. So, you know, it was just crazy. So they came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts, the Bible says. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Verse 7, it says, When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the God of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abazrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Okay, this is what I want you to hear the story of Gideon. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He called the angel of the Lord called him mighty warrior. And this is what Gideon said. He said, pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And he said, where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did the Lord bring, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And again, he says, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. And this is what's so crazy because in all of the tribe of Israel, in his little sub-tribe, in his little family, he was the least of the least of the least. He is literally the last one that you would pick to go out and save Israel. They called him Mighty Warrior. They did. The, the angel of the Lord called him Mighty Warrior. So you must be thinking like, well, I ain't no Mighty Warrior. I'm, I'm the least of the least of the least. And right here before you, right? Behind me. Who are you what? talking to? It ain't me. And, the, and that's exactly it. And so Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour, he made bread without yeast. Um, so anyways, he did all that. He came back. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he explained, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it stands in Ophrah. Anyways. Then verse 25, that same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Pause real quick. The first part of getting Gideon to the place of victory 
was tearing down the mm. altar to false gods of his father. Mm, yes. Wee. You guys, sometimes yes. we've got to fight battles that our parents didn't win. Mm-hmm. And we have got to deal with things that our family didn't yes. deal with. This is what we talk about generational curses. Yes. There are times that the enemy has come in through our bloodline because of, um, and I see I see prophets talk about this all the time when they're ministering to people um, because of, of, of witchcraft, because of someone went to a tarot reading or, or somebody went to a witch doctor yes. and or somebody did a Ouija board or somebody did... <laughs> Enga- engage in something that was demonic that at that point opened up a door in their bloodline. Oh my God. And so it's so important <laughs> that you just pray and ask God, God, how do I, how do I get rid of these, you know, how can I tear down what my ancestors did? Yes. How can I close these doors to what my ancestors did? And I, I really just believe by prayer and fasting, you're able to do that. Amen. He says, then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord, your God on the top of this height, using the wood of the asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So first you tear down all the altars that are to any God, but our God. And then next you build up a proper altar. That's right. And so hear me as I'm talking about this, you guys, it's about the condition of your heart. Right. How many Amen. altars to other things have you built oh, in your heart? How many altars do you have with Netflix on them mm-hmm. or, you know, your spouse on them or, yeah. you know, whatever, fill in the blank for yeah. whatever you put before God. Yeah. How many altars do you have up that God is like on the last of the last because yeah. you have so many things that you put before him work, you know, um, whatever it is. That's right. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. (laughs) So he's like, look, I don't want nobody to see me because I might look crazy. Okay. In the morning, when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asherah pole beside it cut down in the second bull sacrifice on the newly built altar. They asked each other who did this. When they carefully investigated, they were told Gideon, son of Joash, did it. The people of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son. He must die because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Let me tell you something. <laughs> when you start cutting down, when you start breaking generational curses, you're going you to make some people mad. Okay. There are people that are comfortable in their dysfunction. Right. There are people that are comfortable not putting God first. That's right. And there are people that are going to call you crazy the moment that you try to put God first. And that's just how they are. That's, right. that's how the world is. Right. But you know what? Embrace it. Right. embrace it the bible says that you know they hated you be, but but take heart because they hated jesus first right. it was him that they hated and it's not you right. it's because of the fact that you serve the lord and there's something in them that they can't surrender to him um there, there's just a, you know it's just the world they just hate yeah. jesus and they hate everything he stands for um so Okay, anyway, so Gideon tore down the um the altars of Baal. Um people were challenging him and basically he was like, Look here, if you wanna if you wanna plead Baal's um, you know, case, then you can die with him. And so they left it at that. Um Gideon went on to test the Lord twice and was like, Lord, if this is you, do this for me. Um he was having, you know, God do this. Uh, look it up in Judges six. And anyway, so he tested God twice. Both times God did exactly what he wanted, because basically he was saying, God if you're really saying that you're going to deliver the hand, you know, deliver and save Israel through my hands, show me this. And that's right. what God did. It's like he didn't believe him. He was testing them, which we've all been there before. So he asked him to prove it the second time. Exactly. Yeah. So he asked him to prove it again. Um, and now, okay, so all of the enemies of Israel have gathered um, in that last part of Judges. 
um, the Amalekites, the Midianites, all of them gathered. And then um, the spirit of the Lord came on um, Gideon and he blew a trumpet. And then he called all these people from these different lands together. So he also gathered a huge group of people to go and fight. Okay. So now we pick this up in Judges 7. It says, early in the morning, Gideon and all of his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left <laughs> while 10,000 remained. Can you believe that? This, 30 people. this story gets me every time because can you just imagine you see all these people and you feel like yes we're gonna get victory and then God's like okay well just, just tell anyone who don't want to be there to go back and you're thinking no nah, man these people are gonna go with me and 22,000 people turn around and leave <laughs> like, there's some judgment <laughs> and, oh, <laughs> so you're left with 10,000 people it said 10,000 remained you guys this is seriously one of my favorite stories so in verse four, it says, but the Lord said to Gideon, there's still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. And understand what the Lord is saying. He's saying, I don't want you to be able to say that you did it in your own strength. Right. Ooh, that's a word right there. Yeah. I'm telling you, because look, Y'all, sometimes these situations look impossible. Sometimes you are facing stuff that does not make sense. Sometimes you're like, what in the world? But God is a God that wants to show himself faithful and he wants to get the glory. It is not so we can explain it. It is not so we can say I did it in my own power, in my own strength, with my own wisdom, with my own knowledge. It is so we can say, y'all, it was nothing, nothing but God. God. That's right. That's Amen. it. It yeah. was nothing but God. I can't tell you how it happened. I can't tell you. I have a story about that in a minute, but uh, about in New Orleans, man, a couple, couple testimonies about God. But man, that is nothing but God. And this is what God is saying. Look, you take this many people, the Israelites are going to say, we did it because we had a great army. And that's not the truth. I'm delivering you. Right. And so he is stripping Gideon away from everything that he feels like is his strength down to the very least. And so yes. verse five, it says, so Gideon took the men down to the water and there the Lord told him to separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and the trumpets of the others. Yes. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Purah and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Purah, his servant, went down to the outposts of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Oh That's how many of them there were. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, 
This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars. Grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow, they shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. The army fled to Bethsheda toward Zerara as far as the border of Abel-Meholah near Tabith. Israelites from Naphtali, Asher, and all Manasseh were called out, and they pursued the Midianites. Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and seize the waters of the Jordan ahead of them as far as Bethbarah. So all the men of Ephraim were called out, and they seized the waters of the Jordan as far as Bethbarah. They also captured two of the Midianite leaders, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb. They pursued the Midianites and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by Jordan. Anyway, so they declared this great <laughs> victory, this great victory. And you guys, the reason I'm saying that is because, look, when you begin, I mean, it, it is it's all about the heart. It, God does look yeah. at the heart. He's not looking at your status. He's not looking mm -hmm. at your history. He's not looking at, you know, what type of people you know. He's not looking at your job. He's not looking. Mm -hmm. He's looking at your heart. Are they prepared to follow me? Are they going to follow me? And be in good company because even if God tells you something, you're like, okay, God, I'll do it, but you don't have to show me. That's what Gideon was like. God, I saw your face, but is this really you? Then do this. And he tested God over and over and over again so that way he would be confident. And then not only that, moving into circumstances that looked impossible, God literally stripped him of everything that the world could say was his strength. So that way God would get the glory. It's an incredible story. It's one of my favorite stories. Hands down, it's one of my favorite stories. But um, I was gonna, what was there was a yes, okay. So, you guys, two two really crazy things happened in New Orleans, and I cannot make this up. You guys, it's gonna sound ridiculous, but I cannot make this up. Okay, um, we were looking for parking in um, New Orleans, and I was driving. We were in this brand new Chrysler van. It was beautiful. It had the the mirrors, the sensors, all of that stuff. So we get in this parking lot, you know, all these cars are jammed in this parking lot and I, there's a truck coming out. And so I kind of back up a little bit in a spot, like back up to so that way he can get out so we can get in the parking spot. Well, there's three girls in the back or two girls in the back and um, I'm stopped and I'm waiting on this truck. And all of a sudden the girls start freaking out and they're like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And we're like, what What happened? Like, you know, what's going on? And they're like, oh, you hit this truck. And they're like, wait, no. And so they're they're trying like they're talking, but they're trying to make sense of what's happening. And they're like, oh, my gosh. They're like, this truck is, like, through the van. And we're like, what? What are you talking about? And they're like, no, literally, like, this, like, you should have hit this truck. Like, you were right. Like, they're looking at it. 
They're back there looking at it, trying to explain it. They're trying to explain it, and they can't. So then we park, and, and you know, we get out, and they start talking to us. They're like, you don't understand. You're like, it's like the corner of the truck was inside of the van. Like, it was transparent. Like, we didn't hit the truck, but we hit the truck. Like, and so they said, even when, even whenever I had, even whenever I had moved the van forward, you know, normally if you hit something and you come off of it, it'll move. And they said the the truck didn't move at all. Nothing moved at all. Like, it was like, we didn't even hit it. They're like, but we hit it. We're looking right here. And it's like, it's inside of the van. They, there was no explanation. The, the sensors didn't go off. The camera didn't go off. Uh, nothing happened um but their testimony is that literally like the truck was inside the van like there's no way that we didn't hit it there was not a single damage on the truck on the van there was nothing there was no evidence that it was hit there was nothing like it's like we didn't hit it but we should have hit it and that was nothing but god and i and i heard uh one of the girls from the sisterhood she said now that's a wonder you know you talk about signs wonders and miracles she said that's a wonder and I'm like, you show right. I know God had us. Um, I know God had us. And then the other thing when we were in um, there is that we spent the day in the French quarters one day and we were on our way back and we got stopped by this parade and we couldn't cross the street. The police wouldn't let us cross the street until the parade was over. So finally, we kind of just had to bus past the police, but we were waiting forever. So it was probably nine o'clock when we got back to the van to be able to leave and then the next morning people were blowing up my phone and they're like hey are you guys okay and I'm like well, we're fine what's going on there was a shooting at that parade and that shooting happened at 9 30 and we left there at nine o'clock mm-hmm. and I'm like man God that is nothing but you That's God right. that is nothing but you God your right. goodness and your protection and your favor and all of who he is that is nothing but him amen you know um but I, I had to share those stories just because it's the goodness of God but um I want to encourage you guys. Absolutely. Do a heart check. Yes. This is what God is looking on, man. What God, what in me is not like you, God? And 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 don't be afraid to repent. Don't be afraid to get um, you know, just quiet with him and say, God, you know, I know I'm not right. God, I know that there's things that I think, there's things that I say, God, that are not of you, you know? And if, let me tell you, because there's been times I've, I've went and I'm like, well, I'm not really doing any major sins. You know, I'm not, I've kind of quit all the major sinning, you know, as far as if you feel like you categorized them, right? you know, and, and I'm not really doing any, any major sins, but in our flesh, you guys, we are sinners That's right. and, and that is our habit. Um, there are things that we do that we put before God, you know, um, if you are, you know, binge watching TV 24 seven and there's not a moment for God. Right. You know, um, there, there's so many things. The way you eat, the things you eat. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, the list can go on. Food, yeah. And, and we struggle with that one, so I can yeah. tell you right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm overindulged just drinking, you know, uh, uh, pornography, you know. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that, Lust. yeah, that, that are could might not seem like a big deal. Like, oh, that's my one thing. Um, but if it's something that takes precedence before god then it's this it's an idol it's something you have to yeah. tear down and even if it's not an action if you're thinking of your neighbor's wife and a man or right. what they look like naked or right. checking them out that's less that's lusting after your neighbors yep. and that's a sin yeah and and you know the bible says that as as a man thinketh so is he and so so what you think it that's showing what's in your heart and that's yes. why it's so important that you do a heart check that's why it's so important and this is the thing and i hope you guys hear my heart on this and and understand the heart of the lord it's not for us to change it is for us to acknowledge and repent and bring it to the lord so he can change us 
I'll, I mean, I know you guys have heard this, but I'll, I'll just never forget when I was first going through the sisterhood fasting and it was literally like my sins were just melting away. Like I did not have a desire for, I mean, I quit smoking cigarettes, cold turkey back then, you know, I didn't have a desire for it. I didn't have a desire to do any of the worldly things I was doing because I was so caught up in God and who he was and what he was doing uh, that, that filled me so much. I didn't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I didn't want to hurt God's heart. I wanted to be a part of what he was doing. And I was so excited because I heard his voice so loud and so clear through that fast. I didn't want that to end. I wanted to stay in that constant communication with him where I felt like I was just right in tune with right where I needed to be, right what I needed to say, right what I needed to do. And and it just was a beautiful feeling, you know. Absolutely. One more scripture I want to share with you is Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 20. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Not just in your heart, but in your mind. Because whatever comes to you comes to your mind first. Yeah. So tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. We're talking about God's word. Teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. Definitely teach your children. Yeah. When you lie down and when you get up, when you go to bed. Talk about God. Say his scriptures. Pray to him. Talk to God. And when you get up, let that be the first thing that comes out of your mouth. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And uh, we we like to take encouraging little things like, you've got this. You're beautiful. You are enough. And just post them on little sticky notes and post them around the mirror. Or take scriptures. Or just things that God says. Or if God talks to you, put something. God, put them on there where you see them every morning. Put them on your your, uh it's on your car and you dash your car so when you get in your car you're it's you're reminded of god always yeah. put yeah. it on the front door with it shut so when you go to the door to open it you'll see it yeah and it'll remind you god oh yeah god you know yeah so absolutely yeah absolutely me and you guys i hope you guys are encouraged you yeah. know just understand there's so much hope out there in god you know but um mm-hmm. it is our responsibility to to tend to our heart yeah. Um, to to forgive ourselves and, and you know if you haven't forgiven yourself you're really blocking yourself of receiving the forgiveness of the Lord um, yeah. and I just pray that you're able to extend that forgiveness to yourself um, mm-hmm. and just free yourself I mean God yeah. gave us a free gift but you know we do have a choice on whether or not to accept it and and that's where you really find the beauty and the 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 wonders of, of God and who he is when you really step into his forgiveness um, yes and just to live in the peace yeah that god gives you is you won't understand it until you do it right because there's no explaining it yep yeah peace that passes all understanding <laughs> that's right when you get there you'll know oh my gosh that's right this is it. that's right and, and i just don't care yeah you know the, about anything else going on you just don't it's just the peace of god that you're living in yeah that's right so. well we're gonna pray over you guys and then we're gonna end our session i hope you guys enjoyed this episode I, this is fun yeah I, yeah I i you guys yeah. i can talk about bible stories all day but this is some of the most encouraging stuff to me so um okay so um there is um ways you can get a hold of us uh ladies talk podcast through our facebook page i'm Cresha joe bonnie rodriguez so you can contact either of us or eloisa gomez on her facebook page please reach out let us know if you have any questions um i believe on spotify and all that there's some ways that you can reach out to us too so um we're here we're available you know we want to uh be there through you for you through the good 
encourage you through the bad and walk with you through all the ugly. Yeah. That's our motto and and we truly believe that. That's what we do with people who we are in community with and yes. uh you guys are our community. You're our supporters. Yeah. Uh, we're grateful for all that you are so and all grateful. that you do. So let me pray over you and then yeah. we'll go ahead and get on out of here. Lord, thank you for every listener. God, thank you for this message. Thank you, Lord, for stirring up our spirits, Lord. God, I ask, Lord, that you would help to expose every place of uh, sin, every root of sin, every altar, God, that we put up that is not yours, God, everything, Lord, that is an idol in our life, Lord. And I thank you, God, that you would help us to tear those things down, Lord, as we learn how to repent, as we practice repentance daily, Lord. God, I ask, Lord, that you would release your freedom, your your forgiveness, your mercy, your love, God, on each and every listener, God, that you would overwhelm them with your spirit, Lord. God, that they would experience a new wave, God, of healing um, yes. as they understand, Lord, your your desire to just be in an intimate relationship with them, Lord. I thank yes. you, God, that you are moving on their behalf, God, that you are um, drawing us to you for a reason, Lord, that yes. you're, you're bringing up your word for a reason, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that you are bringing revival to each of their hearts, God, each of our hearts, Lord. God, have your way in our lives, Lord. Be high and lifted up. Be glorified, God, above all else, Father God. You alone, God, are worthy of the praise. We love you and we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do for the testimonies, God, and ultimately, Lord, for who you are, God. You get the glory. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you and for joining us today. And we'll see you next week on Ladies, Ladies Talk, Talk Podcast. Podcast.